we are really horrible podcasters. Yeah. I stutter. I leave long spaces <laughs> between my thoughts. It's terrible. A lot of things go on. So uh, question number one, we're going south now. Are you ready, Chris? <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> I'm as ready as I'm going to be. Just think of this as a Disney ride. Oh, no. <laughs> Sock size and shoe size. <laughs> my shoes are 11. You know what they say about big shoes? <laughs> This is Enormous, with your hosts Harley and KC. Welcome back to the second part of our interview with Christopher Zida, author of The Storm, One Voice from the Age Generation. In this part, we all become more acquainted with each other, the barriers are broken, the walls come down, and we have some really frank conversations about the book and about ourselves. We all start to loosen up a little bit and get more personal. I think you'll learn things about Chris, about Harley, and about Casey that you didn't know before. We had such a good time getting the opportunity to visit with him and uh, see him. We did it by way of a Zoom call so we could look at each other while we got the chance to visit. And uh, it was really awesome and cathartic for all of us. And I think you're going to enjoy it. I want to I bring up a little teeny piece of something that... I don't know if it's really significant to you, but when I read it, it was significant to me. You talked about going to the gym in West Hollywood and looking at a list that they kept posted. There was this woman who worked at the front desk named Melrose, um, this wonderful black woman who was just always sunshine, always smiling, always laughing, and was just the first thing you'd see when you walked into the gym. And she was literally the only woman in the whole place because it was all gay men. And... um, and so when, when men started to die, they would post the obituary. Um, there was a door that you'd have to walk through to get to the gym room, and they would post it right next to that, and it would be up there for a couple of days, and then we'd get replaced by the next one. And it was just a really macabre um, marker of who was going. And then, but you needed to see it because the way that people were disappearing in Los Angeles at the early part of the AIDS epidemic you know, some people would just move away and you wouldn't hear from them again. And some people, you didn't know where they went because they didn't say, you didn't know if they had AIDS or if they just left or whatever. But then for the people who were dying, they would get posted. And it was just, a, you know, to go to the gym, which is all about health and working out and life, to see that as you're going in, it just was a really, really strange, terrible thing. And then Melrose eventually, or they call, we called her Mel, she um, you know, would be crying at the front desk after a few months. Of, and, then, um, and I did get back in contact with her as I was writing the book. Um, and she did read part of it. But she, had, um, she was fighting cancer at the time, and she's now gone. But she got to read a lot of the book before she died. So, um, but she was a wonderful person. I never, ever read obituaries until that time. Yeah, that started it. And that started it. And I I just had to do that because I wanted to know where people went, what happened. And I don't want you to to tell what happens in the book, but there's a really important piece about your friend Bryn, who was obviously a very close friend. And uh, I'm not going to say exactly what happened, but um, he disappears at some point. 
That was a powerful little piece. Thank you. Yeah, he was a great guy. Um, it was one of those, um, you know, one of the things I've always loved about the gay community is people can become friends relatively quickly. Um, and especially when you're young, you become quick friends with people a lot easier when you're young than when you're older. And we just became instant friends, but we never dated. And, and we were really, really close. And, um, and as he, you know, got sick and disappeared, I was always just worried about him. And, um, and, uh, but I won't spoil, but he did come back into my life at the end. And, um, it was a good, I was able to do a good thing for him. So once you knew Steven, once you knew Steven had AIDS and back then it was AIDS. It, HIV was not a terminology that any of us knew or not used. in the beginning. We just said AIDS. You agreed to spend your remaining days together living carpe diem. Why was that? And what does that mean to you? Ah, it's a great question. Well, it was because we knew his life was short we knew for sure he had it at that point. He had almost died from it. And he, he'd gone on permanent disability. And, um, and so we both decided that we were just going to make the best out of whatever time he had left. And uh, he got to design it however he wanted. Uh, I went along with it. So he wanted to do some traveling. He wanted to go to UCLA and study the classics. And, and we just made it happen. We didn't, have any, we didn't really have any money but we traveled on these very shoestring budgets and um, didn't really do anything extravagant when we were traveling. And I have to say that during that period from that was the, between the summer of 88 to 1988 through the end of his life, we got a lot of living in and it was really wonderful. I mean, we, would, we didn't have to do any, we weren't staying in fancy hotels. We, sometimes we were just going on hikes or sitting at the beach or, you know, looking at a beautiful volcano or something like that. And, um, and those were the, really the moments that were just so in my mind and my memory were so wonderful. And because we did this, we were able to have some really great experiences as along the way, like, you know, getting a free bottle of champagne at a at a, at a restaurant in Hawaii when they found out we were a couple, which was really fantastic. I mean, and in Greece when he was, because he could speak ancient Greek and, and modern Greek, you know, he's translating the the various um, inscriptions and people were following us around the, the museums because they realized he understood what all this stuff was. And, and he became a tour guide. And like, those are like, those are memories where, you know, you just can't, you can't get that staying at some fancy hotel. And I mean, those are just, that's just the life memories that are so wonderful. And even when we stumbled into that hotel, where I ended up giving a piano concert. I mean, that was just sort of like, those are just things that, were crazy that happened and were wonderful at the same time. And after he died, I just decided that Carpe Diem would be a theme of my own life, even after he was gone. And, and that's what led me to do the gay rodeo when I competed in gay rodeos for a while. It led me to learn how to scuba dive and to, to take up CrossFit and to compete in CrossFit and to do like, I'm, I'm always game for trying something that's crazy and impossible. And that's partly because of what I learned from Stephen on Carpe Diem. Do you think carpe diem in a way can also translate into live life without fear? Yes, I do. Because it sees the day because you don't know that you have tomorrow. So you're going to make today work and make, make today as good as it can be. And it does make you a little more fearless. I mean, it's crazy that I got on top of a bucking bronco. I mean, it's crazy that I even have the idea to get on top of a bucking bronco. 
I can't believe you did that. You guys just got me there. By the way, you both just got me there. I want to read the book now. Really? <laughs> well, yeah, that's the, that's, that's what got me there was hearing that we can take something so horrible and hideous and awful and something that just could crush people that did crush us, crush a lot of people and find a way to make the most of what there is to make out of it. I'm, I have to read that. It's a very important thing. Yep. And I will share something now with you that uh, probably won't air. It'll eventually air. At some point, I'm going to come out about this. You're but... getting more and more ready. I know what you're going to say. And you're getting more and more ready. So, yep. so seven years ago, um, I was having some issues medically. And I went to see a couple neurologists. And the result was that I was diagnosed with two neurologic diseases. One is called essential tremor, which is sort of like having coffee jitters that never go away. And your hand shakes and your body shakes and you feel stressed. And the other thing I was diagnosed with was Parkinson's. Mm. And my father died from Parkinson's. And I watched him for 15 years decline and go through this process of losing his ability to be the vibrant person that he was for most of his life. I mean, this guy played tennis. He ran. He mm -hmm. played high. He was in varsity sports. He was the popular guy. He was a vibrant, exciting guy. And then one day they said he had Parkinson's and it just started going downhill from there. And when I was diagnosed with Parkinson's, all I could think of was my father and what he was going through. And I got incredibly depressed. I met with a therapist to deal with the suicidal thoughts and succeeded. And at that point in time, I shifted my focus from what I might be someday physically to this could be the best day of my life. And when I wake up today, I need to make the most out of this day because it could be the best one ever. And when I read that in your book, I just associated with it totally. Um, I, I had an incredible thing happen to me within the last month, yeah, right? Yeah, about a month. Yeah. Yep. I got into a new drug study. And my neurologist tells me that this drug, this therapy that I'm on, has the ability to halt Parkinson's. Wow. If I had let go five years ago or six years ago and not been here, I would have missed that opportunity to potentially have the news that I could spend the rest of my life as a normal person. Wow. And it's... It's very exciting, and, and the carpe diem part of that, still, every single day, even though I complain, and I whine about work, and I work too hard, and, you know, there's stuff we deal with every day. I still ultimately, at the core, think, I am so grateful for this day, and having the experience that I'm having, that uh, it's a wonderful thing. It's a great, it's a great way to live life. I mean, to be grateful and to choose to be happy, which is one of the lessons that I learned from my friend, um, Jesse in the book, you know, that happiness is a choice and being grateful is a choice. And that really can, that can really bend life to be a happier life for you. If you're going through something difficult. It's true. It, it is a choice. And your book not only reminded me of that, but reinforced that piece and that was a wonderful gift from the book. I would say for me, that was one of the biggest gifts from the book. That's great. I'm so glad to hear that. Um, I think I've, I've had enough people read this book now at this point, and everybody, something is dif something different has spoken to each person. And, and I think um, one of the main themes that people really key on to is 
getting through a difficult time and choosing to be happy and choosing to be grateful and coming out on the other end and, and having a good life. And I think everybody can, everyone has the ability to do it. Everybody can be their own hero if they really want to. There's no way Stephen could have fought like, like you fought for him. It's true. It was a gift that he had, that he had you as his advocate. A lot of letter writing and a lot of fighting and with insurance, insurance companies and then the doctors, everybody was against them. Tenacity is a good quality to have in life. I, I, <laughs> right. I'm lucky that I have it. Right. Yeah, right. you and you definitely have it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was um, quite evident from from the beginning of the book. <laughs> yeah. That was what was so fun to go back and explore, like uh, my childhood, and just to realize what I was doing. And um, I mean, I didn't put it in the book, but even when I started taking piano at age seven, it was not my parents' idea. Like normally, parents force an instrument on their kid, but there was a piano in my kindergarten class that a teacher had put all the notes on the keys so you could sort of play the music and and I, I loved it. I, and I would even go back as I went into first grade. Um, I would go back after school and to the kindergarten class just to play the piano. And I came home and when I was seven, I said, I want to take piano lessons. And and I, I made, I've made my parents get me a piano teacher. Wow. <laughs> who, I then drove, who I then drove crazy because I didn't want to play the music on the note. I didn't play the notes on the music. I had added and it improvised and she didn't like that. And so she quit after a year and then I had another teacher. So I'm so excited about this little journey I'm on with releasing a book into the world. And I have no idea where it really goes or how many copies will be sold. But uh, I feel like the, you know, I've already won just by writing it because of the therapy was so wonderful for me. And um, so I don't really care. Was any part hard, like turning your baby loose, like just letting your baby go and giving it to everybody else? Yes. Yeah. I mean, once I, once I finished editing and they, they had it and then they laid it out and I signed up on the layout and, and then it was being printed. I just had these, mo I had a period where I'd wake up at one in the morning and I'd be like, I would be thinking about something in the book that I'd written and I'd be like, oh my God, everyone in the world will know this. And then I'd, I'd sort of talk myself back to sleep. And then, um, then when the, the galley copies came in, the paperback ones that don't have the pictures inside, um, I looked at it. And the first thing that went through my head is, I guess I can't stop this now. <laughs> and, and then when the, when the hardcover came with the pictures inside, um, then I, and the first thing that went through my head is, well, I really can't stop this now yeah. because it's way too late. My publisher will kill yeah. me. The pictures are awesome. I think that's a it's a smart thing to do. I think everybody likes to wants to see what it I is. I think there. the pictures were great. Yeah. I, did you get the Did you get a copy with the pictures in it? Yeah. Yeah, yes. yeah I saw okay, the pictures. Good. I'm sure cuz I think I had every one of those uh western shirts that your friends are wearing cuz uh -huh. of cuz of square dancing and the you know I the Rotary Association. Barn. So, yeah. Yeah, I had them mm -hmm. all. Yeah, well the yeah. pictures sort of engage you before you start reading. Right. And then as mm -hmm. you're reading it fills in some some holes. Yeah. And that's that's and really then, fun. What did you think of the letter that I included? Because I had a battle with the publisher over that little battle, not a big battle, but a small one. Cause they wanted, they wanted all the pictures to be pictures of people. Oh yeah. And I said, no, you, I, you've got to include this letter. Because oh, the insurance letter. Otherwise, the, otherwise no one will believe this is really true. Right. And right. I, and I pushed, I said, you've got to put it because it's, the story is so crazy. Like it was you, awesome. When, okay. when you, when you finally read it, Casey, you'll see. Like, yeah. I was going to say, so I didn't quite understand it yet, but now I'm seeing that. The, what the you would be is, like, so. um, you would be like, 
this guy made this story up. This is cannot be true. But it, um, it but doesn't I, sound true. It's amazing. Well, it's mm-hmm. it truly doesn't sound possible. Yeah. But I have pictures for all of it. <laughs> Got the photos, have, the evidence. I have lots of, yeah. And that's why I made them put the letter in because I thought, you know, no one's going to believe this really happened and right. we've got to put this in. And, and I think it's, I'm glad we did it. So I have to show you one funny thing before we finish. Okay, sure. Are you double jointed? <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to share this picture. Me, this is me at age four in my bedroom. And um, if you look at this, I'm four years old, and um, you can see here the Disneyland map behind me. And you can see the Winnie the Pooh record player here. You can see here there's a book of poems here up on the shelf. And on the top shelf of my, you can see Lady from Lady and the Tramp, you can see Eeyore, and you can see Tigger. So basically, everything in my life is in this picture. The kid who would grow up and be an English literature major who then worked at Disney. Wow. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? It's almost like I was it's almost like I was programmed at that point in time. And then if you look at behind me now, that map that was on my bedroom wall is is on my office now. I I had a question for Casey if I'm allowed. Sure, of course. <laughs> Is there anything else that's, that you're curious about with respect that to that? I'm book? curious about with the book. Uh, n- no, I, 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 I really wasn't sure because I thought it was going to be a, a really difficult for me to move through that. But I've, I've, I'm ready now. I feel ready. I feel ready to read it. A box of tissues. <laughs> yeah, just in case. Well, I hope that when you finish, I hope that when you finish, you'll email me your okay. book review. I would love it. to hear yeah. it. I will do it. Yeah. Yeah. I, feel, I feel good now. Or if you want to have me come back on another podcast and talk about your You know, we would love to do that. Would you come back and and talk to us again? Like after, after, after a few months or something? After it's been out there for a while. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, I'd be happy to. Yeah, that's a good idea. You're not afraid anymore? (laughs) You're not scared of us? No, I feel like I passed the uh, invasive (laughs) question exam. Have you covered all of your questions for me? No, I've got a, I've got, I've got a book. I'm writing. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm a very question-oriented person. I, I guess I, I guess I'm a perpetual learner. It's a great way to be. Well, that's good. There's nothing wrong with that. That'll keep your brain active. Well, I don't know about you. <laughs> I've had a fantastic time. I hope I kind of talked a lot. Oh, you think that's different than any other day? <laughs> It was fun. I've had a great time, too. So, Casey, sometimes during our episodes, we do something at the end. Do you want to ask him if he wants to do that? What do we do at the end? You're throwing me off guard here now. I don't know what. Is this where you're going to flash me? <laughs> you wish. You'd probably, <laughs> you'd probably pass out. You, you, if you wondered why the, why the podcast was called Enormous. <laughs> there is a reason why it's called Enormous. <laughs> <laughs> it, no, it just means uh, Harley's big personality. That's what it means. <laughs> so what we try to do, and we and we don't always do it, is at the end of an episode, we try to come up with a personal reflection. Oh yeah, that's true. Sorry, it's yeah. either a focus, a, not I don't want to say a piece of advice, but just just something, sort of something to send us off into the future with that we can think about and. Can you think of you something? Want me to, yeah. 
You want me to say, oh. I would love it. I think, um, so I think especially this year, it's more important than ever to try to just be a little bit of good in the world wherever you can. Um, so in my own world, um, I, I do know people that are struggling uh, financially because they've lost their jobs or their hours have been cut back and, um, and, or, you know, otherwise suffering. And I think just because I, I'm in a position where I can help people. So I, I try to surprise certain people in my life with, you know, here's a little hundred dollar Trader Joe gift card. Please go get some groceries or like just to be a good force in the world, especially today, it's needed more than ever with COVID and with the, uh, the political, you know, fights everybody seems to be in it's a good way to be and i think if if you if you look around on a daily basis and you just look for opportunities to help people who who don't expect you to help them and who are who may be struggling or maybe they're not but they they'll appreciate it anyway it actually helps you more than them by just doing it i mean even something like going into a place and um buying a beer and then leaving a giant tip i mean those can be really wonderfully rewarding things from a from a karma perspective. And so that's, that's my personal reflection advice for this year. That's fantastic. Thank you for sharing that. A, being, a kindness is one of, is our, one of our closing tagline yeah. things. Is be kind to so. others uh-huh. and be gentle to yourself. Right. Yeah. That's a great way to live life. And you'll, you know, more people should do it, especially now. So this concludes our interview with Christopher Zida, author of The Storm, One Voice from the AIDS Generation. We hope you enjoyed it. I learned an awful lot about Chris. Casey, what about you? I learned a lot about myself and Chris and you during this interview. That's true. And I feel the same way. Yeah, I, it's, it was great. I hope we get the chance to do it again. We might even get to talk to him again. I hope we do. Chris was a great person to talk to and uh it was fun to do an interview together yep we had a good time do you have questions or comments for us do you have a topic you would like us to discuss reach us by email at enormouspodcast at gmail.com leave us a voice message at 303-351-2880 you can also follow us on facebook at Enormous Podcast, and on Twitter at Enormous Pod. Our Instagram is Enormous underscore podcast. And don't forget to subscribe on Apple or wherever you find your podcasts. So until next time, like us, be kind, be gentle to yourself, and keep it enormous. Find all the best shows under the rainbow at pride48.com. Are you finished? Not yet. Now I'm finished.